This evening's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 tonight, verses 19 through 21. If you want to be turning in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, we do appreciate those who are here tonight that are visiting. We are always grateful to have you with us. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to give consideration to the work here at Olive Branch. I know the elders would be more than happy to talk to you about the many opportunities for service in this congregation. As I said a moment ago, we're going to look at Matthew 6, 19 through 21, and we're going to be asking the question, Is your heart in heaven? Someone has said that home is where the heart is. It would be my prayer that all of us have a strong desire to live in such a way so that one day heaven will be our home. In order to appropriate that beautiful home in heaven, we have to live in such a way so that we will hear the Lord say on that great and final day, well done, good and faithful servant. What does it mean to have a heart that is in heaven? What does it mean to live in such a way so that our heart reflects an intent to one day spend eternity with Almighty God? In looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, there are some things that maybe we would do well to think about. The first thing I want to do is call your attention to the command or the orders that are set forth by Jesus. Typically, we refer to chapters 5 through 7 as the Sermon on the Mount. Inherent in these chapters are some great foundational truths upon which we are to build our lives as disciples of Christ. And so in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And then in verse 20, he said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Maybe we would do well to remember that Jesus has the authority to give such orders. Typically when we talk about people that are enforcing laws or decrees, we want to know, do they have that right? Do they have the authority to weld such power? Well, Jesus has the authority to give these orders. Now, if you look at the latter part of chapter 7, you'll find that when Jesus finished these sayings, that many of the people were astonished at his teaching. Because Matthew tells us they perceived that he spoke as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Jesus, as you well know, has all authority in heaven and on earth. That's what Matthew said in Matthew 28, verse 18. God the Father said in Matthew 17, verse 5, when Jesus was transfigured on the mountain, He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. 
And so when Jesus instructs us concerning laying up for ourselves treasures either upon earth or in heaven, we would do well to take heed, to listen. It's not out of the ordinary for Jesus to put people on warning. In other words, to encourage people to give consideration to certain divine truths. Well, what about this command? What about these orders and the authority that Jesus has to weld this kind of power? First of all, Jesus sets forth a warning about the transitory. Listen again to what he says. In verse 19, the Lord said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break through and steal. But then note, if you would, his wisdom about the timeless. In verse 20 he said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, I want to believe that, that those of us who are here tonight are of reasonable intelligence. Only a foolish person would hear what Jesus has to say and ignore it. Think about what he said over in Matthew chapter 7. He talked about the wise and the foolish man. He said the wise man ultimately heard the word of God and did what? He put it into practice. He said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, him will I liken unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Jesus said, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. But then he said, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, him will I liken unto a foolish man. He went on to say, the rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall thereof. And so, you and I tonight, if we want to be wise, we will hear what Jesus has to say about the timeless. Furthermore, if we want to demonstrate true wisdom, we'll heed his warning about the transitory. Now, let's, no, let's look in the second place. The choices that Jesus sets before those of us who belong to the human family. And really there are two options. The first has to do with earthly treasures. But there are some things that we would do well to consider in light of earthly, trans in, in light of earthly treasures. I said just a moment ago that Jesus warns us about the transitory. Now... Transitory things are perishable in nature. So what about these earthly treasures? Well, listen again to what Jesus said. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. First of all, earthly treasures can be spoiled. And the example here is that of a moth that would destroy a garment, a suit of clothes. Now many of us, we take preventative measures to guard the clothing that we have. And we all know that, that a moth likes what? Well, a moth likes wool. 
Some of us have probably lost a sweater, a suit, or some other garment because of a moth. Well, Jesus is saying, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because a moth can destroy it. It can also be destroyed by means of rust. Look at some some of the structures that have been built or erected in this city or around this geographical location. And note how over time rust begins to spoil and to decay what we have built or what we have erected. Well, Jesus is simply saying, do not attach yourself to something that is going to be subject to spoiling. But then there is a second thing. Not only are we not to put our trust, our faith, in earthly treasures because they can be spoiled, but they can also be stolen. Listen again to what Jesus said. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now there are a lot of people in our world today, there are a lot of us that have at one time or another been victimized by a thief or maybe by thieves. And Jesus is saying here that that earthly treasures can be stolen. Look at some of the the scandals that have been going on in our country. We talk about white-collar crimes. I noticed in the paper the other day that there was to be an auction in, in this city or in the city of Memphis relating to one of the great scams that took place on Wall Street. They were auctioning off the material that had been illegally obtained. Well, there are a lot of people that have lost a lot of money. They've lost a lot of material goods by thieves. And Jesus is saying that you and I, we need to be careful about the choices that we make in life. If we choose to accentuate earthly treasures, then we are, in effect, hooking our wagons to things that can be spoiled and things that can be stolen. But there's a third thing that I would suggest unto you. Not only can earthly treasures be spoiled and stolen, they can be squandered. Now over in the book of Luke in chapter 15, we read about the prodigal son. And many of us recall that this young son went to his father and said, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. In other words, he wanted his inheritance and he wanted it early. And I think about the brashness of that kind of request. Well, the father consented to the request of this son. And Jesus, in his narration of this particular story, said that not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took a journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous or profligate living. What did he do? He went out and squandered what his father had entrusted unto him. Now, look around and see people that obtain large sums of money or maybe they have tremendous wealth from a material vantage point and they they lose it all, they squander it. I think about people in our society today that obtain large sums of cash. I was reading an article in Sports Illustrated a few, few weeks ago, maybe several months ago, and the article was... It was interesting, enlightening, but also disturbing. And it was talking about the vast numbers of professional athletes in the NBA that make huge sums of money, millions of dollars, more money than you and I will probably ever make 
in this lifetime. And in this particular article, they were talking about these athletes that, that over a period of time lose everything that they have. They spend time in the NBA, they make millions of dollars, and then once they leave the NBA, they're broke. There was an article in the newspaper not long ago about a former player for the University of Memphis. Spent time in the NBA, I think he also played in Europe. Now living, or at some point in time after his career, living on the streets, I believe in Orlando, Florida. What happened? He squandered everything. He talked about at one time having nice cars and nice homes and all of the luxuries of life and then losing everything. Well, let me tell you, there are a lot of people that have squandered what they have been entrusted with in this life. And so when you begin to accentuate earthly treasures, you're focusing on some things that can be spoiled, that can be stolen, that can be squandered, and then finally, I would suggest that they can be a snare. There is nothing inherently wrong with riches or material goods for that matter. But if that becomes the sole focus of our life, then problems are going to arise. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. He said, But they that are minded to be rich fall into a temptation and snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. What's Paul saying there? He's saying that people that have a mindset to be rich put themselves in spiritual jeopardy. Why? Because that becomes the sole purpose for life. And so in verse 10 he would say, The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, which some men, having reached after, have pierced themselves through with many sorrows and been led astray from the faith. And so here are people that they've accentuated the almighty dollar to the extent that it has cost them their eternal well-being, their soul. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26? He asked the question, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What's it going to profit you if you gain everything that this world has to offer, but you lose your soul? Jesus here is saying you better be careful. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is telling us that if we're, going to, if we're going to get involved in the banking business, we better not bank on earth per se. Because earthly treasures are temporal. They are transitory in nature. But then a second option, a second choice that Jesus sets before us has to do with eternal treasures. Now, I would suggest there is a marked difference between the two. When you look at the earthly side of life, when you look at those earthly treasures, well, they are temporal. They are transitory. They are subject to being spoiled, to being stolen, to being squandered, to becoming a snare. Not so when it comes to the eternal treasures of life. Number one, eternal treasures are secure. Look at what Jesus said in verse 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys 
and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now, there are a lot of people in our society today, and rightly so, that are concerned about the bank that they do business with. And many of us, we want to make sure that a bank is regulated and that they have the right protection, that they're covered by FDIC. Well, Jesus is saying that if you put your treasures in heaven, if you're banking in heaven, well, you don't have to worry about whether or not there's such a thing as FDIC. Jesus is saying that your treasures in heaven are secure. They're not going to be plundered. They're not going to be stolen. They're not going to rust out. They're not going to be destroyed over a period of time. Now tell me, do you know anything on this earth, materially speaking, that meets that criterion? I don't know of anything. Jesus is saying that this kind of treasure is absolutely 100% secure. It's not going to be stolen. It's not going to spoil. It can't be squandered. I guess we could squander it if we so choose. We could squander our relationship with the Lord. But when we bank in heaven, there is a sense of security that accompanies that. But let me also suggest, not only is it secure... It is sensible. Now somebody might ask the question, what do you mean when you say banking in heaven, laying up eternal treasures is sensible? Well, let me, let me just point you in the direction of a passage of scripture that I think helps to underscore this great truth. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, godliness with contentment is great gain. And then listen to what he says. For we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. What did you come into this world with? What did you come into the world with? Did you, did you come into the world wearing nice clothes? Did you come into this world owning a nice home? Did you have automobiles? Did you have bank accounts? Somebody might say, well, my parents did. I'm talking about what did you come into this world with? Paul said, we came into this world with nothing. And it is certain we're not going to take anything with us. Not one thing. This past week, many of us probably saw on the news where an auction was held for some of the things that Michael Jackson at one time owned. And I noticed that somebody paid $350,000 for a glove that he wore about 20 years ago in the making, I think, of, uh, of a video. Well, Michael Jackson may have owned a lot of material goods. But guess what? He did not take one bit of what he owned in this world with him. Go to Graceland sometime. Walk through Graceland and just, just take inventory at all of the things that Elvis Presley acquired in his lifetime. Note some of the accomplishments, the achievements, the notoriety, the fame, the prestige. It's, it is mind-boggling. 
what he did in his lifetime. But then when you walk out behind his house, what do you see? Three graves. His mama, his daddy, and then there's Elvis. How much did he take with him? Not one dime. Here's what Job said in the long ago. Naked came I into this world, and naked shall I depart. We didn't come into this world with anything, and we are not taking anything with us. Go visit sometime. If you ever have the opportunity to go to Egypt and visit the, maybe, maybe visit some of the, the pyramids, or go and, and do some investigation on some of the tombs of the Egyptian pharaohs of days gone by, and note the extravagant riches and wealth that was entombed with them. How much did they use once they stepped out into eternity? They didn't use any of it. Why? Because, as Paul said, we came into this world with nothing and we're going to leave with nothing. And so eternal treasures, they are secure, they are sensible. It just makes good sense to bank in heaven because you're not going to take it with you. But then thirdly, I would submit unto you that when we talk about eternal treasures, they are satisfying. There are a lot of people in our world today, they're looking for satisfaction in what we would call all the wrong places. Solomon is a good example of that. Solomon literally tried it all. And he found out that the things that this world has to offer do not really quench the human spirit. In other words, they don't really satisfy that void in life. Now, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, Solomon said, Here the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole. This is man's all. This is the whole of man. What he's saying is that's the thrust. That's the summation of life. But I want to give you another example. Go over to the book of 3 John. In 3 John, you read about a man by the name of Gaius. And John prays for this beloved brother. He said, Beloved, I pray or wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, I do not know about the physical condition of this man named Gaius. Some would speculate that maybe there were some physical problems that he was experiencing. We do not know anything about his material condition in life. Some, again, would speculate that maybe, maybe he was not very well off, financially speaking. But his prayer was that he would prosper and be in health, and I think that tends to mean that that materially speaking, things would improve, that physically speaking, things would improve, even, he said, as your soul prospers. What's John saying there? He's saying that Gaius was prospering spiritually. How many people in, in America tonight or today, how many people would you say are prospering spiritually? I don't think it takes an Einstein to conclude that our country, our nation, is facing serious trouble. And the real reason is because people have gotten away from the spiritual 
and they have focused on the material. They're looking for things that will satisfy the human heart from a material vantage point rather than realizing that that void, that vacuum that exists within the inner man can only be quenched by Almighty God, by serving Him and living for Him. Now John, John said that his prayer was that Gaius would prosper and be in health even as his soul prospered. Look across our nation tonight. And you just take note of all the people that are facing foreclosure. Now maybe they've made some unwise financial decisions that has ultimately led to their foreclosure. Maybe they've gotten in over their heads. And I suspect that a good many people have. They have, in effect, lived above their means. And thus they are paying a tremendous price for that. Well, we talk about being foreclosed, but what about from a spiritual standpoint? Could God foreclose on you tonight? Is your spiritual state such that you ought to be foreclosed by Almighty God? Now, we talk about all the money we have in the bank and how much land we own and all this and all of that, but I'm talking about how much do you have, spiritually speaking, we may have everything that this world has to offer, but from a spiritual vantage point, are we in poverty? Are we facing bankruptcy? There are a lot of Americans that are in bankruptcy today, and those numbers continue to escalate. It's amazing the number of people that have, that have filed Chapter 11 and are in bankruptcy. Now, there may be any number of reasons that have contributed to that. But what about from a spiritual standpoint? Are you in bankruptcy? I'm here to tell you there are some people in our, in our country tonight, they are in spiritual bankruptcy. Let me take it a step further. There are people in the Lord's church that are in spiritual bankruptcy. Now, read sometime Revelation chapter 3 about the church at Laodicea when it came to their assessment of their own spiritual condition, they would have said, look, we're okay. We're a fine, upstanding group of people. But Jesus said, not so. Jesus said, you say, we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But he said, what you don't know is that you are poor, miserable, blind, and naked. What was wrong? They were spiritually in bankruptcy. Now, I said a moment ago that if we bank in heaven, if we focus on eternal treasures, we're focusing on that which is, number one, secure. Number two, it's sensible. And number three, it is satisfying. You will never go wrong banking in heaven. You may lose your shirt on this earth. You may lose everything that you have financially speaking, in this life. But if you bank in heaven, then you're banking with the Lord. Now sometimes we ask the question, how satisfying is it to know that all is well? Well, listen again to what Jesus said. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now to me, that's satisfying. 
to know that I'm banking in heaven, that I'm banking with the Lord, that my, that my heart is in effect in heaven. And so what I'm doing is sending my treasures up to heaven. Thirdly, the conclusion. And this has to do with the outcome. What's the point of what Jesus is saying here? Well, look at verse 21. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you know that your heart is a reflection? Your treasures, in effect, where you're you're laying up your treasures, either on earth or in heaven, that those things are a reflection of your affection. In other words, what we're saying is, where you're laying your treasures up, so to speak, those are indicative of where your heart is, of what you're really thinking about, of where your focus is in life. Now just be honest. Is your focus, is it on things that are transitory or things that are timeless? On things that are eternal or things that are ephemeral? In other words, things that are are passing away. All of us, we're either doing one or the other. There's no in-between. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. You can't have it both ways. It is either you're laying up for yourself treasures on earth or you're laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. My prayer is that your heart is in heaven. It's like what Paul said, our citizenship, our commonwealth is in heaven. Whence also we wait for a Savior. Tonight, as we close out our study, I want you to just think very carefully about your spiritual state. And I want you to be very honest and candid with yourself. Where is your heart? I said a moment ago that home is where the heart is. Is your heart in heaven or on earth? Only you, can, only you can answer that question. Now there are things that you're doing in your life that give indication to how that question would be answered. But where is your heart? In heaven or on earth? Maybe you have not become a Christian. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. The Bible says that Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. We have to have faith in Jesus as the Son of God. And then we have to act upon that faith. We have to repent of sin, to confess His name before others, to be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. When we do that, the Lord then adds us to the church, Acts 2, 47. The Bible says that when we become New Testament Christians, when we become members of the church of Christ, We enjoy every spiritual blessing in Christ, Ephesians 1, verse 3. If you're a Christian, you are rich. 
beyond compare. Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 2 how God has lavished upon us the exceeding riches of His grace and kindness. Have you obeyed the gospel? Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe you're not faithful to the Lord. Maybe the focus of your life has not been where it ought to be. Could we humbly ask you to make the necessary changes in your life so that one day heaven will be your home? Could we pray with you and for you as we stand and sing?